review it that is there for you. Um, review it, and we don't want you to miss anything that's going on here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. So Mark chapter 3, if you'll turn there this morning. I'm going to divert from, <laughs> I was all ready actually to go for um, finishing up the Olivet Discourse. If you're visiting with us on Sunday mornings, we're doing a verse-by-verse study in Matthew. We've been in the Olivet Discourse, chapters 24 and 25. Uh, the last section is the judgment of the nations, but we'll do that next week. Um, I felt the Lord put this on my heart this week as we we're coming back from Peru. And uh, I, I just, I, I know it's the Word of God is for all of us. And I believe that He wants to speak to us also as a church as we're heading towards the end of the year, I'll be heading into a new year. Uh, just some things that the Lord uh, put on my heart while being down in Peru and sharing with the students. But Father, we ask that as we open our Bibles once again, that the Word of God is all inspired by you, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And we need to hear from you. So help us be attentive, be teachable, be sensitive to hearing you speak to us through your Word, Lord. Help us to remember to turn those ringers off our phones, to be free from distractions. We only got a few moments in your Word, and I pray that you would, uh, Lord, take it and and work it deep within our hearts as we desire to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got back Friday night. Uh, again, thank you for your prayers. Traveling overseas, traveling internationally is not easy today. There's uh, health affidavits that you have to fill out. Of course, um, you know, COVID tests, all those things. You, if you don't do it right, either they don't let you in or uh, you don't leave. And so um, we appreciate your prayers as we didn't have any problems traveling. It is hard. Uh, LATAM, the airline that we took from JFK down to Lima and then over to Trujillo, and being in Peru, as I said, um, not only do they require, like our airlines, to wear masks, but LATAM to mask. And that was real challenging. And um, but even when you're outside in Peru, if you don't have two masks on, uh, they can arrest you and throw you in jail. And so there's no arguing, there's no protesting that. And uh, COVID has affected the whole world. We know that. But when you go down there, you really hear about how it affected South America and how it you know, was devastating to Peru. We live in a nation where... Uh, statistics come out and the numbers come out uh, all the time and we hear those numbers but down there they don't have it and what happened when when COVID first broke out they shut everything down matter of fact they made it illegal for you to come outside and they made it to where you could go and get some food once a week one person in your house at certain hours and uh, that was it but if they caught you outside during any other time uh, you would be arrested and you would be put in jail. And the problem was this, that, you know, here we, we uh, many v- people lost their jobs or they lost their business, but there's, you know, unemployment, there's some hope, even though it's still hard and difficult. In Peru, there's none of those things. So when it shut down, most of the people lost their jobs, lost their ability to bring in any income, that they were able to make, and a lot of people that ended up dying as a result of the pandemic, it was because they were starving to death. They couldn't get food. So those are the stories that we are hearing about, and, and yet 
being there, I was there at uh, Calvary Bible Institute teaching. There in the compound, I was teaching four to five hours a day. And then I did the services, teaching church planning class in the evening. Barbara taught uh, a session. So they kept me pretty busy the whole time I was there. Matter of fact, I was teaching Isaiah clear up to an hour before I left. That I was, we got through chapter 66. And when I went through Isaiah with you guys, it took over a year. I did it in nine days down there teaching. And the students were so eager to learn. And they, they, they were wonderful. And it really blessed my heart. But there was a lot of preparation. So it wasn't sightseeing. There was a, you know, this is in, um, in a section of Peru that <clears throat> there isn't a whole lot to see anyway. It was near the ocean. But the ocean, it's desert, actually. Um, some of the driest parts of the whole world are right there on the coast of Chile and Peru where they get no rain. It's, it's cold water, the ocean. Um, it's gray, and uh, I was in the compound. They're just getting ready for the next day's teachings, and they kept us pretty busy, and then I did last Sunday at Calvary Trujillo. Now, a little update on Pastor Corey. Before I left, I said, pray for Pastor Corey, who's a friend of, of mine, a friend of ours here at Calvary Chapel Greeley, and he pastors the church in Calvary Trujillo and also uh, started the Calvary Bible Institute, Peru, where the students are coming, and they're going to go out and, and be planting churches throughout not only Peru, but other countries as well. And Pastor Corey has some health issues, so when we got there on Friday, he actually left on, on Tuesday to come back to the States because they don't have the health care system that we have, uh, nearly what we have, and um, they just need to know what's going on. Uh, there is a possibility, as, um, as I said, that uh, he was looking at cancer, but I did get an email from him last night that he doesn't have liver cancer. That was the main concern that they have. But there's still some issues that they're doing some work, doing some testings. So he's here in the States for the next few months as they, they continue doing those things. Keep praying for him because the future is uncertain, you know, of, of with him. Uh, if he returns to Peru, when he returns to Peru, uh, it was a very critical time for the church and for CBI. It was good for us to be there to encourage them, encourage the staff and, and the students that were down there because their pastor had to leave. And he had to leave quickly so he can get back because he was in, in pain and needed to, to find out what's going on. And he's in that process right now. You know, those of you who work in the medical field here, thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome, you know, and what you've been through. And, and it just made me really appreciative of, you know, we, we have uh, those who work in all different fields in the medical, from being a, a doctor to, to nurses and other healthcare uh, providers. I really appreciate what you guys do, and I know it's been hard and difficult for you over the last year and a half, but really, to me, you guys are, are heroes, and, and just what you've been through, and, and just deeply appreciate it, and um, I just wanted to throw that out there, but so keep praying for him, and uh, it just it's a little overwhelming for them, uncertain, and just met with the staff and prayed with them and talked with them, and a lot of good things are happening there. In, in Peru, um, in the students, the joy of the Lord that is uh, in their hearts, just again, just really blessed my, my, you know, 
just blessed me uh, to be around them, their eagerness to learn. Uh, uh, they, they don't have anything. They have no cars. They know they will never have a house. They, they won't have the things that we have, but you know, they, they live in a country that socialism is very, very um, strong, pretty much is getting that way in all of South America. Some of the students are refugees from Venezuela and Colombia. And from Venezuela, they were telling me that the pastor that's taking over the church and doing the teaching duties right now, Calvary Trujillo, Hill and his wife Jenny, they told me their story, how they, they left. In Venezuela, I think most of you know that it is very, very poor. Socialism has, has um, you know, taken over the country. <clears throat> when I was young, when I was in my 20s and early 30s, uh, 30, 40 years ago, Venezuela was a wealthy nation. They were producing oil. Um, things were going well. And socialism came in to where 80% of the people today live in severe poverty. And I believe they make the average wage is $2 a day is what they make. There's no medical help. There's no, you know, hardly any food supply. So many of them have left. They left their family. They've left their families behind to, to try to find a better life in Peru. And Angel and Jenny, who are, you know, Angel taking over the pastoral duties there at the church, he's telling me how when they got on the bus, they went through... Colombia, coming through Colombia, the authorities stopped and took all its money, took everything that they owned, and to let them to continue to go through. And they happened to stick, you know, twenty dollars in their sock, and came into Peru. And it's a different currency, but about twenty dollars worth of value of money. And they were living in a shack, and um, he was working. And then Jenny got hepatitis and was in the hospital there. For a long time and just all they went through but during that time they never lost their zeal for the Lord and the desire to serve the Lord uh, on hell uh, he wants to go back to Venezuela and plant the very first Calvary Chapel in the nation of Venezuela so you know we're praying for him we're going to support that another young man's from Bolivia um, and he's there as a student he wants to go back and plant the first Calvary Chapel in the country of Bolivia and he's such a neat young young kid, and he loves his people. He knows, and they all know, that the answer to Peru and to Venezuela and Colombia and Bolivia, wherever they're coming from, as Calvary Bible Institute is kind of that headquartered Calvary Chapel for South America, that the answer is the gospel. And, and they, what is interesting is they hear the news. They don't get news down there, you know, you know from Peru and because they don't give a lot of news out, but they do watch the news in the United States because we're so news hungry, aren't we? And and there's all kinds of news outlets, and they say what we are hearing from the leaders in the United States, you should be concerned because those are the things that were being said 30, 40 years ago in Venezuela. So we we read that, you know, or we hear that, and we are concerned, and, and we need to pray for our nation. But in the midst of the difficulties, they continue to keep their eyes on the Lord and have the joy of the Lord in ministering. And that's why I believe that the Lord really put this text on my heart. In Trujillo, city of a million people, there's a Catholic church on every street corner. I'm not kidding. 
elaborate, beautiful, huge Catholic church, and you look inside, and it's just very ornate. A lot of wealth that is there, but yet the people are poor. You go down the street to the next block, there's another one. You go down the street, there's another one. They're just, they're on every block, literally, huge Catholic churches. Over 90% of the people, um, you know, uh, are Catholics. And then on the edge of town, there's a big Mormon temple. Um, and Mormonism has really entrenched into South America and into Peru. This Mormon temple is beautiful, very ornate, and, and it's in this, this poor area. And, of course, if you're a Mormon, to go into the temple, to be able to do the temple work so you can you know, progress to the highest heaven, you can't go unless you pay your tithe. So there's a lot of religiousness, and of course Mormons present a false Jesus, but there's a lot of religion that is there. The people are religious, but here's this little church, Calvary Trujillo, that's teaching the word of God, and people are hearing the gospel for the very first time. And the students are going out in the squares, and they're witnessing, and people are coming to Christ, and they're given a message of hope, a message that you and I have. And they're not losing their joy. And their eyes are on the Lord. And, and it just was a blessing to me. Now, I know that, that as I come back, uh, I want you to know that as I went there, that I was bragging about you guys. <laughs> that, that how wonderful of a church that I get to pastor. And how we have the opportunity to minister. And, um, you know, I got something yesterday, you know, Sign up for this seminar and how you can have a great church. I'm thinking, how to have a great church? I get the privilege of pastoring a great church because of you guys. Because you're hungry for the word of God. But my desire is for us to understand this, that he wants to continue to use us. And I thank you for, we took cameras down there. We took five bags of luggage and three of them we left down there full of children's ministry materials, uh, cameras so they can do live stream. People have the internet. They have their little phones that they listen. And last week was the first time that they were able to do live stream. And they couldn't believe the numbers that people that were, were listening in. So thank you. Because they don't have the resources to do that. They, they, they don't have a lot of money at all. And it isn't about that. They have a theater uh, that they do Sunday mornings. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a wonderful facility that's kind of run down, but they go in on Saturday, they clean it up, and they close the, when they close the doors, it's, it's not like a regular doors like what we have. They're just bars to keep people out. And the cats go in there, and, you know, there's cat mess all over the place. They go in and clean it every Saturday. Sunday morning, they come in at 7 o'clock, clean it up. They get set up for the services. And the people come in, and then they break it all down. And then at the compound, which was on the edge of town, on Huachaco, you know, the, this, the port city there. It's not a port. It's the seacoast city. It's just a little, small, poor village. That's where the compound was, where we were teaching the students. And as I said, I was, I was teaching four to five hours a day, going through the book of Isaiah, um, preparing for the next day, getting ready for that. They go out, they would serve, they're doing English classes, that's how they're reaching people. Uh, all these different things that they are doing with excitement and zeal and a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Much what, what I see with you guys here. 
And it's a, it was a very critical time for me and Barbara to be there. I'm very thankful that Barbara was able to go with me because she knows more Spanish than I do, a lot more Spanish than I do. So she was able to keep me from getting lost <laughs> and getting in trouble. So and it's like, what? What do you say? No comprende. You know? <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. But um, they're very grateful that, that you guys allowed me to go down and teach them for a couple weeks. And I feel like they're family. Um, because I taught virtual class last year, wasn't able to go, and uh, the book of Daniel for three months. And so a lot of the same students that were there and they said, come, come see us if you can. I said, okay, I'm going to come see you guys. And traveling is hard, but as we move out in what God wants us to do, listen, it may be uncomfortable. I will put on two masks if I need to, to go give the gospel down there. I will go through the COVID test. I will do those things because those things are a priority for me. That's for me. I'm speaking for me. And the Lord maybe has something for you that's going to be a bit uncomfortable. And he wants to use us in this day. So I want, I believe, the Lord just put this on my heart. You know the story, most of you. We've gone over it before, but in Mark chapter 3, I want to read it to you. And then I want to just kind of see how this applies to, to us as a church, for you individually. But here is Jesus as he's ministering. The religious leaders are upset at Jesus. He's already taught the Sermon on the Mount. He said that, hey, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And the, the religious leaders are angry at that. They're angry that he said, as he healed the man who was paralyzed, that your sins are forgiven. They're angry at him because he chose a tax collector to follow him. They hated tax collectors. Why don't you keep the washing rituals and the fasting like we do. And then they thought Jesus and his disciples were breaking the Sabbath because they were plucking heads of grain in the field. They said, that's unlawful. You can't do that. So that confrontation is building with the religious leaders. And it goes into the synagogue. It, 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 it continues as chapter 3, verse 1, that Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, that is, the Pharisees, and whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And so he said to a man who had a withered hand, step forward. And then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and the hand was restored as whole as the other. And in verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So Jesus goes into the synagogue, and we know the, what Matthew has told us going through those chapters, that the religious leaders were always wanting to accuse him of something, watching him, trying to trap him and trip him up and all of this. And so here, this is once again early in Jesus' ministry, they're watching him to see if they, he would heal on the Sabbath. Because one of their rules and regulations was there's no healing to be done on the Sabbath. So Jesus knows their hearts. He, he knows what's going on. He knows that they're trying to trick him and trap him and accuse him. So he goes into the synagogue, and there's a man that's in the back. We know that he had a withered hand. 
And when I've taught this before, a lot of focus has been on when that man was told to stretch forth his hand, that he couldn't do that in his, on his own. I mean, put yourself in his sandals. He has this withered hand, and he hears the command of the Lord, stretch it out, stretch it forth. He could have said, what do you mean stretch it forth? I can't do that. I mean, the muscles are all shriveled, the nerves are shot. I can't do that. But as he heard the command of the Lord, he was able to do that. And the Lord brought healing and worked a miracle. And he dared to do it because he heard the voice of the Lord. He heard the command of the Lord. And the lesson, is, as we know, is God's commandments or God's enablements. Maybe perhaps this morning he's speaking to you. That there's something withered that is in your life. And maybe it's in bondage to alcoholism, to drugs, to pornography. Maybe it's an attitude of unforgiveness, some kind of carnality, something that is going on. And you're hearing the voice of the Lord saying, stretch it forth because it's withered. There's paralysis. Something is not right. And you say, I can't do that. And you know what? You're right. It has to be a work of the Lord. And as he commands you to do something, he's going to enable you to do it as you're just obedient to him. So that is a lesson for all of us. But before he would say, stretch forth his, your hand, he would say to the man, as the religious leaders, here they are, that they're, they're watching him. He comes in and he says, you, stand up. Step forward. So again, put yourself in his sandals. I think if it was me, it was like, who, me? I mean, why are you picking on me? Are you going to mock me? Are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to rebuke me? Are you going to curse me? What? You know, because people with any kind of affliction were seen as being cursed and all of this. He, he, he doesn't know the rest of the chapter like we do or the rest of the account here that we just read. He just knows that the Lord said, I want you to stand up. And then he turns and he addresses the religious leaders. And he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And he was angry at them. He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He had a righteous anger because, as we have discussed going through Matthew, those religious leaders didn't care for the people. They only had contempt for the people. They only cared about their religious traditions and, and rules and regulations. They only cared about their authority and their status. And here is one that is teaching, not as the scribes and the Pharisees, as the people marveled at his teaching. And they're beginning to lose that authority. And they didn't care for the people in having compassion for them and ministering to them. They weren't like Jesus, as we read in Matthew's gospel, that looked at the multitudes with compassion. He was moved with compassion. It means that there was something deep inside of him emotionally that, that was moving him. This is the Son of God. And they were like sheep without a shepherd, scattered and weak and weary. And he would say to them that pray for laborers to go out into the harvest, for the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He was angry. And he deals with them. Is it lawful to do good or not? And then that's when he turns to the man and said, you stretch forth that hand. I know it's been very challenging over the last year and a half. We'll be moving into two years here of this pandemic. And 
it, it's still, you know, I, we read the numbers are still high and, and people are trying to be careful. And, but I, it, it's been hard in many different ways. But I, I think that perhaps the Lord would remind us that we are to have compassion and care for people as we look at them. Because what I've heard in some Christians is just a lot of anger. And just a lot of, of, of just distraction. And I understand, as we see the things that are going on around us, it concerns us. And we're going to have those discussions. But more than anything else, listen. Do people know more than just your political stance? Do they know that you have a message of hope and that you care? Because the hope of this nation, the hope of Peru, the hope of South America, the hope of the world is the message of the gospel. They were moved with compassion and, and ministering to others. And yes, we get concerned and worked up. We get concerned for our kids and for our grandkids. I do as well. I have my first grandchild on the way. And I think, what's it going to be like for my grandchild? What's it going to be like for my kids that are in their 20s? And we do want to stand for righteousness. We want to hold our elected officials accountable. We want to be a voice in this world, absolutely, but be a voice of truth and give people the message of the gospel. You know, one of the things when we came back, we, we passed uh, and flew into Miami, and we had a nine-hour layover. And, it's, and I'm like, I am not going to sit in this airport for nine hours um, and again you have to keep your mask on so thank goodness for Barbara who knows you know our young people I got uber called uber I said really does it work pretty soon 30 seconds later it comes an uber driver picks us up we go over to Miami Beach 20 minutes away and I wanted to see Miami Beach because I'm on the radio there with Calvary Live and we went to a little cafe where I can get some breakfast and had a little breakfast. It was dealing with sickness um, while I was there in Peru. And um, thank you for your prayers. It's better, but still feeling a little sick with food and water and all of that. But just was able to just um, be there. It's the first time I've ever been there. And a lot of young people, and it's known for its partying. It's known for its drug use, the status, and just watching, the, you know, on the the little um, hotels and the balconies and young people, it's, it's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And they're drinking. And, and you can feel it. And my heart was broken. And what's happening with our young people? They said, I was hearing on the news yesterday or reading it, that they declared a national emergency for our young people in you know, a mental health crisis. More suicidal than ever before. More depressed than ever before. More discouraged than ever before. That's what's happening in our country, in our nation. When I came home, uh, I came in the office yesterday, there was a plaque that uh, Celeste, you know, from the, the nursery and toddlers, the Bugs Ministry, and then from Children's Ministry, Angie, while I was gone, they took a picture of all the kids, and they had a little plaque of, of just, you know, Pastor Jeff and 
teaching the word and appreciation and it, it just blessed me but they had two rings they made little cards with the pictures of the kids and their names I was so blessed by that and seeing the, their names in, in with their faces and just kind of flipping through it and the Lord just really put on my heart pray for these kids pray for them your kids are so special they're so precious, so thankful for them. And, and I'm blessed to be here, but I want us to be sensitive to the Lord. Because maybe for some of you, the Lord is saying, I want you to step forward. I want you to stand up. And he's been speaking to you. Maybe it comes to ministering to your children. You've been so distracted. You've been so busy. You've been, you know, and we are. We get that way in life. I understand that. But your spiritual walk is withered. You're not talking to your kids or your grandkids about how much the Lord means to you, what he's done for you. Oh, I'll go in and be on social media or listen to YouTubes all day long. What, what are we doing in prioritizing? And again, we're going to do those things. I understand. Maybe your excitement for Jesus has withered. Your witness. Your priority for the Lord. Your service to the Lord. Investing in the kingdom. There's so much to do. And the Lord has been saying, I want you to stand up. Because we are here for such a time as this. And if we believe that we're as close to the return of the Lord as we think we are, what I pray that we are, that there should be a sense of urgency. You know, people will ask me, they'll say, you know, when are you going to do in-person Wednesday nights? And for every person to ask me that, it's like, when are you going to do a Saturday night? And, and I think... Okay, Saturday night, three Sunday mornings, Monday radio, Tuesday radio, Wednesday in person. I'll do what the Lord tells me to do. But we don't have the staff and the volunteers to do it, the staff services and keep adding to them. Because people are still hesitant, coming back and keep serving. Here's my opinion. I'm not saying this is right, but here's my thought. That if we really believe that our kids you know, are going through a difficult time and we have opportunity to minister to them, there should be a waiting list people ministering to our kids and many of you do and I'm so appreciative of your commitment I'm so appreciative of people that are serving when I left Peru I left exhausted and the staff was exhausted because they work so hard I feel like I have the best staff they're dependable they're reliable they're supportive they work very very hard for you but there's more ministry to do and I'm open to what the Lord wants to do, but we've always lived by where God guides, he provides. And I'm not going to pound the pulpit saying, we've got to do this. I'm just waiting on the Lord to show us and guide us and direct us. So he has something for you to do. Not everybody's called to do children's ministry. There's things that, that the Lord has put on my heart. Plus, on top of that, you know, to take care of my family, my mom who's Alzheimer's getting worse. And, and I think, oh, Lord, forgive me because I don't have 
not spending the time maybe I should or could. You know those struggles you have? I think some of you do. God has something for you. I want to do set up with Jeff Christensen, who's a biblical counselor and the head of the International Biblical Counseling Center and and good friend of mine to do some training, to do some biblical counseling. We got people, you know, a lot of churches don't even do counseling anymore. They just send them to a therapist or whoever. We have the word of God to give people, to minister, to minister to, to those who are struggling in their marriages and struggling with kids. You know, the challenges. Our kids are facing more challenges that we never faced, that I never dreamed of facing when I was in high school, when I was in college. They're being wrecked. And we need to give them the tools and the love for them to maneuver through the life in which they are living in and the encouragement and support and prayers. We have opportunity to be that light, and we are being that light. I thank you for you who are giving so we can be on the radio in, in Miami Beach. Somebody said to me, oh, man, it must be, you know, added income that you get for doing Calvary. I don't get paid for doing that. I do it for free. You know, it's a little radio station and a church runs. We pay to be on the radio, and your support, we're on in, in the East Coast. We're on throughout much of the nation, given the gospel, and it's important that we do that. I get emails every day, people are listening to us. It's a wonderful ministry, and I'm grateful to be that. Somebody said to me not long ago, said, one of the things I really like about your church is you don't have to give. You don't care if we give money. It's like, oh, you kind of missed it. <laughs> you know, you watch the numbers fluctuate, go up, they go down, and it's the Lord's. I don't see who gives anyway. I don't see... Who gives us? None of my business. That's kept, you know, in the office. I see the final numbers. And we'll be working on a budget once again. We'll see where the Lord takes us this year. We finish out. But, you know, every month I sit down with Eileen, who's been just a wonderful administrator for over 20 years. We go over every check, every order on the, you know, credit card, everything, all the bills, check. Check, check, check. So that's why I drive these guys crazy. Now turn the lights off <laughs> when you, you leave the sanctuary. Turn the air conditioning off. Don't leave it on all night, you know. And um, to be good stewards of what God has given to us. But we want to step forward. Let's, let's do it together. So is the Lord putting on your heart something that is withered that he's speaking to you about? Again, we're going to have those discussions. Yeah, we got strong opinions and feelings, but, but don't leave the Lord out. Don't just even make it a part of it. Let him be the priority of all those things. And then whatever he's asking you to do, whether it's helping out in practical ways, there's ministries to do here, you know, there's an opportunity for you to volunteer. One of the things that the Lord's put on my heart, really, and I want to move forward, and I think, how can I do it, is to do some writing. But writing is 
very labor-intensive for me, I guess. I don't know. Where do I start? What do I do? And, and, you know, I know how to run my mouth, but to get it down on paper and all that, and I handwrite all my notes, um, is, you know, something that, okay, Lord, you've told me to stretch it forth. I'm going to just do it, and I want to do it. I want to write some commentaries on some little booklets on ministry. It isn't like I'm going to write a book. I, I want it to be resources that are available, and now's the time for me to do it. it we get requested my teachings to be translated in Spanish all the time. Not just for Peru. I'm talking about here in Greeley, in northern Colorado. Wouldn't that be wonderful to do that? You know, there's, there's ways in which we can minister in the days in which we're in. And I pray that, that as we go to the Lord here, and i got to end it here. There's so much more I could say. That you would say, Lord, are you telling me to step forward when it comes to my family, when it comes to my devotion to you, and my service to you, and my witness for you, and my giving to you? Lord, what are you telling me? And then stretch it forth. Because I believe he wants to do great and wonderful things through us. I'm not interested in being the popular church or making a name for ourselves, but to be able to give the love of Jesus Christ to others that need it desperately in this dark, dark world. It will be perilous times, Paul said, in the last days. And we're seeing that. And we have the answer. So, Father, thank you. We thank you for this time. and. Lord, just um, I thank you that we can divert from our normal study and just be blessed by this text. And, and Lord, I do pray for all of us that are here. Lord, as, as we have our heads bowed and our eyes, you know, just kind of closed and just really focusing on you, being just kind of still right now. Are there things that you're putting on the hearts of your people to step forward? To stand up. Maybe just being lazy spiritually. Maybe just ignoring those things that you put on our hearts. Complaining, murmuring, distracted. Whatever the case, it can happen to all of us. But yet we're not, we're not doing what you've asked us to do. Put on our hearts. And we may not understand everything that you have, but Lord, you know that you're speaking to us. And we thank you for that. So I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't do often. And I want you to be respectful. If the Lord's been speaking to you to step forward, what I want you to do is, is I want you to stand up right now. I want you to just stand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you guys. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, man. Just as that man had to humble himself and stand, you're standing. And now I'd like the rest of you just to stand up as we finish this morning. As Father, I, I just thank you for those who have stood this morning. I've said, yes, you're speaking to my heart to step up. 
to be the husband, the wife, the father, the grandfather, the grandmother, the mother that you called me to be, the business leader, the employee, the neighbor, to be a light to others. And what you've called me to do, to minister. Lord, to step forward and to stretch it forth, that thing that's withered in my life. And Lord, I just pray for us as a church that that we would keep our eyes on you. Yes, the things we see around us are very, very important, and they affect us. They stir our hearts. But Lord, we have a living hope. And Lord, we belong to a kingdom that will last forever, and we have a message of what is our hope for our nation, for families, for our young people, and that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for Corey that you would continue to minister to him and his family. I I just pray for your, your merciful healing touch upon him. I pray for the church in Trujillo, for Pastor Angel, for Jenny, for the staff, for Joaquin and the CBI Peru and the students down there. Keep your love in them and the zeal to just be used of you as they desire to go out and spread the gospel, to plant churches, to be used of you in very difficult circumstances. And Lord, I thank you for this church, for this church family. Lord, may we be light to others. And Lord, what you have for us, what a wonderful venture of faith that lies ahead. Bless everyone here as we go our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Invite somebody to church. There have been people that before COVID that I haven't seen them since COVID started. Maybe they're at home. We're not going to go to church. You know somebody you haven't seen? Reach out to them, okay? We need each other. We need to be in fellowship. We need to encourage one another. You drive to church next week, you see somebody walking, just stop the car and put them in your car, bring them here. (laughs) I think you guys know what I mean. Just look in ways to minister, okay? And you'll, you'll be surprised those divine appointments that the Lord will bring. Be sensitive to his leading. Travis closes. we got Pastor John here to pray with you if you need prayer. Good to be back. Love you guys. Okay? Mm-hmm.